Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri alongside Stephen Ruiz and Evan Thorpe. We're back, we're with you, we're ready to talk about some football today. Uh, we got a lot going on. We're going to talk about black coaches in the NFL because that's a thing again. We've got Beef of the Week featuring Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. Yes. And then we're going to get into our social media post of the week. And I don't care if you like it or not, but we're going to talk about Megan and Harry. Who is Megan and Harry for us uncultured people? <laughs> we're going to talk about the royal family, otherwise known as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Uh, it's relevant to our interests anyway. So listen, let's start talking about um, black coaches in the NFL. Stephen, can you give us a lot of background and context into why this is a thing again? Yeah, it's an issue every year, but I feel like it, there's been like a groundswell this year because there's been there's five head coach openings or there was now there's one left. The Browns haven't hired their coach, but it seems like they're going to hire a white guy, too. And the four that have happened, Ron Rivera is a minority hire. And then the other three have been white guys. And like one of the guys was Joe Judge, who no one ever heard of. Like when the, the news broke about Joe Judge being hired by the Giants, everyone was like, who? Like no one had ever heard of him. Mm hmm. I haven't heard of him, and I like study the NFL relentlessly, and it's become an, an issue because of Eric Bieniemy. He was he's the Chiefs' offensive coordinator, and for past Chiefs' offensive coordinator, that's like kind of been a springboard to getting a head coaching job. Four years ago, Doug Peterson was the offensive coordinator, and he got the Eagles' head coaching job. Two years after that, Matt Nagy he was the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. He got the Bears' head coaching job, and now Eric Bieniemy has put in two years. And they've had the best offense they've ever had, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And he hasn't even been a serious contender for any of these jobs. So everyone's asking, like, what's the difference between those two guys and Eric Bieniemy? And we all know what the difference is. One is black and the and the other two are white. So people will the, – the default reaction is, like, the Rooney rule is broken. But I don't think it is. Like, what else can you do short of forcing owners to hire black coaches to fix this? It's an owner problem. You have to look at the owners. And unless they're willing to hire black coaches, which they should be because, in theory, you have a wider talent pool, you have a better chance of getting a good coach, until they're willing to do it, like there's nothing the NFL can do. Yeah, it's there's a lot of different levels here, which is that you can put all kinds of rules and regulations in place to make people feel like they've gone through the motions, uh, but you cannot make them... Uh, pull the trigger on something right like the Rooney rule gets talked about a lot and if you are not aware of what the Rooney rule is that is basically the rule saying that NFL teams have to interview minority candidates for coaching positions they have to interview at least one at least one so th that comes under you know that gets criticized a lot because everyone's like oh it's affirmative action and, and it doesn't really work and to a degree yeah it's affirmative action but it, and it doesn't work because uh, they're going to bring people in, but then they're not going to actually hire them. Um, the interesting thing here that you said to me, which is that this is actually a problem with the owners. It isn't about uh, anybody else on the team. And I think that they're I can't remember who said that, but that was conversation earlier this week as well with like sports pundits. Right. Like. These candidates, I feel like, are really close, like there's only a little bit separating them from each other so i think it comes down to like i'm an owner i'm an old white guy this guy looks like me and that could make the difference and people will say well what does it matter if they're hiring the best candidate for the job well that's the point they're not hiring the best candidates for the job they're ignoring one group of the the coaching population i think my biggest 
like concern is that the minority coaches aren't given a fair share because if you already know who you're going to hire as a coach, you're just bringing this guy in as a puppet almost like saying, hey, we did it. We did what you asked for, but we got the guy we wanted all along. It's like you don't give a candidate a true chance to say, like, to show you why they should be your coach. Yeah, I I think that that's actually hiring everywhere, right? right. It, it is not hyper-specific to the NFL, which is that we've all worked in industries where you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, and that's how that person gets in the door, right? There, People will say, oh, it's a pipeline issue, but it's clearly not a pipeline issue, as you have talked about. There are qualified candidates who should be next in line for these head coaching jobs. The Chiefs thing like disproves the pipeline thing, because the the offensive coordinator job for the Chiefs was a pi- pipeline for Nagy and uh, Peterson, no, but for Bienemy, the pipeline dried up. Yeah, all of a sudden there are no jobs, and and people wonder why that is. And the thing is that when you ask, one of the things that get tossed around when these conversations about hiring is that people will lean on excuses like, well, he doesn't fit in with the culture of the team, or that's not you know how our team usually functions. Like, there's all these soft reasons given. Except the point is that if you do want to bring in diverse candidates for any kind of job, you have to bring them in for what they will bring to the team, right? And race happens to be a part of it. I think it extends to, like, we're complaining about the hiring process, but you could see this racial bias in the firing process as well. Like, Mm. white coaches get a longer leash. Like, the last two years, not this year, but the year before that and the year before that, a black coach was fired after just one year on the job mm-hmm. that rarely if ever happens to white coaches it did happen this year with freddie kitchens but he was like god awful at his job like he was incompetent at his job and you look at like white coaches around the league like matt patricia i think this is a reason why people are up in arms because he replaced a black coach and when he got fired the gm said nine and seven isn't good enough because mm-hmm. he was going nine and seven every year yeah Matt Patricia has won, I think, nine games in the two years since then. (laughs) And he's getting a third year. Yeah. And the Lions, if you know about their history, they were a terrible team before Jim Caldwell. That's the coach I'm referring to, the black coach I'm referring to. They made the playoffs with him two out of three years, I believe. They haven't made it since, and they they didn't make it a whole lot before then. Yeah, and the thing is that in these cases – I would I would argue that racial bias is really hard to prove, even though it seems incredibly implicit. I think it's like makes people uncomfortable. So people are like shy away from just pointing it out, which mm-hmm. shouldn't be the case. And that's the problem with the Rooney rule. Like the backlash against the Rooney rule is like we're afraid to say, hey, the owners are racially biased and it's obvious. Instead, we attack the rule when it's really the people that are supposed to observe the rule. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. But you said that people are afraid to point it out. And I think that this kind of news cycle, a lot of people have been talking about it. Richard Sherman, right? He came he was was at a press conference earlier today. Today is Thursday, by the way. And uh, he spoke about it. Yeah, he's he's spoken about it. I think some people in the media, like two or three have spoken about it. But I don't think the the backlash is usually against the owner. Everyone complains about the rule and they're like, mm-hmm. we got to fix this rule. No, there's no fixing it. You got to fix the owners and there's no way to do that because they own the teams. How many minority owners in NFL is it just one? It's just one, the, ja- just, the Jaguars. Yeah, there's only one. I, I mean, this is like systemic, right? right. <laughs> there's nothing. 
I think the first step in all of these issues is being able to talk about them openly. And it does make people uncomfortable because they kind of just want to focus on the X's and O's of the games and and who's going to win and who's going to lose. But if you think about who's going to win and who's going to lose, the head coach is a really big part of that. Right. And this is affecting the game because we don't have the best talent pool coaching these teams. And there was a report saying that a lot of the black assistants in the NFL were going to go to the college football game to like because they knew there was no opportunity to advance. But have people seen the, the coaching numbers <laughs> at the college game? It's the same problem. I think there's only 10 or 11 black head coaches at the college level, so it's basically the same percentage, like 10%. And Kind of like what we talked about before we pot is, like, if a black coach was to get fired, like, their next route is often you have to go down a level yeah. and not even become a head coach. You have to become a, a coordinator. But in the NFL – Guys get replaced or get a new job right away if they're white. And we've seen last year Adam Gase was fired and hired by a team in the same division. Yeah. Mike McCarthy fired, took a year off, came back. And I don't know if Mike McCarthy has really done anything to prove that he's better himself as a head coach, offensive coordinator. But you have guys who just don't get the second chance, third chance, fourth chance, just because of the color of their skin. Yeah, the the bar is often higher for people of color, right? Like it and to, it sucks, but that's what it is in that you not only have to be good, you have to be consistently better. Um which is unbelievably frustrating. All right, so that being said, the other stuff that we are going to talk about today is our beef of the week with Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren, but before we get to that, Let's talk a little bit about not just physical fitness, but mental fitness. There's another side to the game of football and any games, actually, that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Let's talk about Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, which has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is as an important part of his mental fitness routine as anything else. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. If you need help to get that accomplished, Go to calm.com slash sports40. You'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to nature scenes that LeBron likes to use, like rain or forest leaves. And you can also listen to their sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash sports40. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash sports40. That's calm.com slash sports40. All right, so now that we're all rested and relaxed, let's get a little bit more aggravated and talk about our beef of the week. Yes, beef of the week came from the NBA this week. Wednesday night, the Heat, the Heat faced off against the Pacers, and Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren got into it. It all started in the third quarter. Jimmy Budden didn't like the way T.J. Warren fouled him. They tangled up. They said some words to each other. They got technicals. And then right after that, the play resumed. Jimmy Butler put his shoulder into T.J. Warren's chest, and then some more talking happened. T.J. Warren got a technical. Jimmy Butler blew him a kiss as he was leaving. So 
Did they say bad words to each other? You could see a lot of bleep shoes <laughs> and you is so, you soft, you ain't bleep, this, that, and third. So after the game, reporters are asking Jimmy Butler, you know, what happened. And he's he called him trash. He called him soft. He cursed. And he was saying if he so wait, were, he he went on record and said all this stuff yes, to reporters. Yes. <laughs> he was like, if I were his coach, I would never put him on me ever again. I'm going to tear his A- blah blah (laughs) up every time he's trash so jimmy butler is like he's still into this moment yeah so then later he goes on instagram posts a picture of a screenshot of the calendar and circles when they play the pacers the next time and he says he's he adds him okay at one dot at t.1 one don't be mad you can't guard me we will see what you about in march wow so they're I can't wait for March when they play because I'm watching. So he literally circled the date on a calendar. He, and screenshotted it, put it on Instagram, tagged him in it, and basically said, I'm going to bust you, you know what, the next time we play. Do they have previous beef or is this new beef? This is fresh beef. <laughs> this is fresh beef. But it went like it went from zero to, to like 180 very quickly. And it's, it's so funny because like you don't really see this in the NBA where yeah. it carries over. It's like, all right, you know, after the game, we don't care. The fact that he brought it to social media and even like in front of cameras, he's like, yeah, he's soft. I'm going to bust his ass. Like, this, yeah, this is not good natured beef. This feels like it's actual real beef. This is what we need in the NBA. It's boring. I feel right like now. we're in for a letdown though. I feel like there's a lot of time between now and March, and by then, like, he was heated after the moment. I know Jimmy Butler's, like, a vindictive person, but I think he's going to just be like, by the time it comes around, he's going to force it. Like, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been waiting for this. But it's not It's not going to be real. The fact that it's Jimmy Butler, I think, is going to carry over. You saw what happened with him in Minnesota. The fact that he was in practice beating Cat and Andrew Wiggins with, like, the third team and was calling at the, ref- the general manager, like, yelling at him throughout the scrimmage. I don't think he's going to let this go. There's no time in between that, though. That was like an everyday thing. They're in training camp. So you're saying that Jimmy Butler, like, is heated in the moment, but then kind of lets it go. I think he's going to let it go. Like, you can't carry over such trivial beef. Like, it's about basketball. Like, this happens, like, when you play basketball, it happens a decent amount. Like, people get into it and start talking trash like that. And you just forget about it. Like, the next day, you're just like, maybe the next day there's still some leftover beef. But, like, two months later? Yeah, I think that if anybody holds a grudge for that long, that's a little much. It happens. And I and I feel like Jimmy Butler is going to remember it. He, he posted it on Instagram. Like, you can't post this on Instagram, but then when March comes around, be like, you know what? You know, just a heat of moment thing. Like, no, you got to <laughs> keep this energy. Keep that same energy in March. He's not. He's not He's not going to be. He's going to want to. I, I fully believe he's going to want to. He's just not going to have it in him. He's not going to be able to muster it up. He's going to be like sitting there like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Here's <laughs> well, the thing. He better fake it. He's going to get in more beefs, too, between now and then. He's going to forget about it. He's like, you're not even top uh, top of my list, DJ. It's like this is why, number three beef for right. him. <laughs> this is why I think it's going to happen. All right. They played in Indiana last night. They rematches in Indiana again. So I think. You have the fans booing him, and it's just going to just egg him on a little more. And then when they match up, you, you're just going to be waiting for something to happen. He's going to get the sense memory. Like, he's going <laughs> to get right back. He's going to smell the Indiana racism, and it's going <laughs> to remind him where he was. Well, All right. Uh, speaking of 
Well, we're not. Um, so this is technically a good segue from beef of the week to our social media post of the week because it is also another beef and a beef that is so good that I just I cannot take how great this is. So our social media post of the week, not for an athlete this time around, but it goes to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, otherwise known as Meghan Merkel and Prince Harry. They went on Instagram and basically said, peace out, royal family. We are going to be moving to Canada. We're going to work to get financially independent from you guys. We may stop by once or twice in a year, but otherwise, we're out. <laughs> That's gangster. That's yeah. gangster. And the thing is, is that like then an hour later, Buckingham Palace, which is the queen's official residence, that's what she operates under, put out a competing statement that said, mm, step back a little bit. These kids don't really know what they're talking about, which for a royal palace intrigue is insane. I agree with the royal palace on this one. <laughs> they're going to come crawling back in like a couple months. No way. This is like This is like a kid moving out after college and then after a couple years he's right back at his parents house he realizes how hard life is and how much private schools actually cost it's tough outside the castle so they didn't find out until the actual ig post so what the narrative is is that the instagram post from megan and harry made it sound like everybody was on board with this and the queen fully supported them and this was their way of letting the world know so but what has been reported is that no one else in the royal family knew that Meghan and Harry were planning to make like this extreme break. So everyone is is super pissed. What made them want to go to Canada? She she used to work for Suits, which filmed in Toronto. So she is very familiar with Canada. And they just vacationed, I think, like in Vancouver Island or something like that. And they have a kid. So they're looking for some quiet family time. Also, where else would they go? I'm about to say, don't, do you, go, don't come here. Right. Do you know what's going on in this country right now? Like, Canada is the spot to go. Yeah, Canada is the spot to go. Uh, but I feel like that is an incredible social media flex to just be like, you know what? Bye. It's like they quit their life and then say, you know, what? we're going to Canada. I forever hate this couple because of they led to me getting roasted by Hamlet because I... <laughs> You look like Prince Harry. No, because I was no, working. I don't look like Prince Harry. <laughs> Carson Wentz looks like Prince Harry. <laughs> I don't look anything like him. Uh, internal gossip for you guys at home, which is that I was, I don't remember why this came up, but I needed a picture of William and Harry, and Stephen was on deck to provide that picture. William, of William. and Harry, no, it was oh, the couple. It, it was, was Megan. Sorry, it was. I needed a picture of Megan and Harry. For the wedding, <laughs> and Stephen put in a photo of reenactors without realizing that it was not Megan and Harry. It wasn't just a photo; it was like a, a an edited graphic. <laughs> like I gave it all the treatment, and then I put it, I sent it to Hemel, and she was like, "These are like <laughs> imposters. Like they're like actors paid to look like them." He had no idea what they actually looked like. <laughs> they those two did a fantastic job, by the way. At least you know what they look like now. Oh, my God. It was no. really funny. <laughs> no, if you gave me those two, like the, the imposter couple and the real couple and like forced me to pick one, there's a 50% chance I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> All right. I know that Steven doesn't care that much, but I care. That was my social media post of the week because good for those guys. You know, if you're going to start off 2020 with any kind of energy... Make it that kind of energy. Make it the energy that says, I'm cutting all these toxic people out of my life. I'll see you guys later. And they're all living the dream that we all have of moving to Canada. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Don't they have free health care? Yes. I'm moving to Canada. I'm moving to Canada. 
All right. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We will see you next week.